If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. No Limits, Believing God for the Impossible. The title of today's message is, as you're turning in Daniel chapter 6, the title of today's message is Lies, Laws, and Lions. Lies, Laws, and Lions. You know, it's interesting to look at the history of Daniel in the previous uh, five chapters before our text today. Daniel, of course, was a Jewish exile in Babylon, and uh, through the providence of God, he was elevated to a high place in King Nebuchadnezzar's court after he was used by God to interpret the king's dreams. Here in chapter 6, while continuing to faithfully serve God, he found himself suddenly boxed in by circumstances. After a lie was told about him and a law was passed against his faith, he was thrown into a den of lions. Hence our title, today, Lies, Laws, and Lions. You know, probably none of us here, I'll go out on a limb, probably none of us here have been thrown into a den of lions, I would say. But sometimes, like Daniel, we do find ourselves boxed in by circumstances beyond our control. And it seems like there's no way out. Ever, ever had that experience? Ever had that feeling? Of course we have. But this morning, also, like Daniel... I want to declare to you that God will bring us through to victory if we hold steady and continue to serve Him faithfully and trust in Him. And so this morning, whether you're here in the sanctuary or watching online, if you feel boxed in, if you feel, uh, you you know, I I said none of us have probably been in a den of angry lions, but sometimes it, it feels almost like that that we're boxed in, we're in a situation for which there is no way out. But I want you to know there is a way out. Almighty God. And Daniel's life proves that. And in this passage, I'm going to read several portions of Daniel chapter 6. There are, I believe, five elements of victory uh, that uh, that we can extract from this story of Daniel. Five elements of victory. So this morning, for the next few minutes, I want to answer the question, what are the elements of victory as we face our own lies, laws, and lions? The first one is purity. It's purity. Let's look at verses 1 through 5. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them one of whom was Daniel. The satraps, and those are are provincial governors is what they are, the satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds 
for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these, finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So Daniel, as I said, was elevated to a high place in the court of King Nebuchadnezzar. And the other administrators and provincial governors, uh, they wanted to find fault with Daniel. And so they uh, basically did an ethics investigation. Uh, you know, uh, we, have, we have ethics laws in our government, and uh, a lot of times they're not followed, hence ethics investigations. And so they did an ethics investigation. I said sometimes they're not followed, a lot of times they're not. But uh, they, they wanted to find something crooked in Daniel and the way he was uh, functioning as part of the government. But it says they were unable to do so, and there are, there are three specific areas it mentions that, that they, they couldn't find a problem with him. First of all, it says he, he was trustworthy. And the word trustworthy, uh, it, it means faithful. It, it comes from a word meaning, a Hebrew word meaning to support. Uh, Daniel was reliable. He performed his job. It said there was no corruption in him. He was not corrupt. Uh, that is from a Hebrew word meaning decayed. Okay? That's the meaning of corruption. There was, you know, when, when we talk about corruption in government or in some place of authority, we just say something, something stinks, right? Something's not right. It, it has the smell of decay. They couldn't find that in Daniel. He, he was not corrupt. He didn't take bribes on the side. So he was trustworthy, he was not corrupt, and he was not negligent. And the, the Hebrew word translated neg negligent is a word that means something amiss. You know, that, aside from corruption, that's another reason for someone in a high position to lose their job. They're, they're just negligent. They just don't do a very good job. So they couldn't find anything amiss. He, wasn't, he was trustworthy. He wasn't corrupt. He wasn't negligent. So they said, we'll have to, that, this isn't going to work. We'll have to find something related to his religion that will, uh, that will uh, trip him up. Daniel lived a life of integrity. Pastor Tim, are you saying he was perfect? No, none of us are perfect. But, you know, sometimes we excuse a lack of integrity very flippantly by just saying, well, nobody's perfect. Well, nobody is perfect, but we are commanded to live holy lives. Got real quiet in here. We are commanded to walk in integrity. And the Bible's full of injunctions uh, to, to do that. So Daniel lived a life of integrity. And Daniel was willing, as we'll see, to live a life of integrity and of moral purity no matter what it would cost him. In the forests of northern Europe and Asia, there's a little animal called the ermine. And the ermine, in the wintertime, sheds his brown coat and grows a coat of pure white so he can blend in with the snowy background. And he instinctively protects his white coat against anything that would soil it. 
And hunters had learned to take advantage of this trait of the ermine. So rather than set traps to catch him, instead they find his home, which is usually a cleft in a rock or a hollow in an old tree, and they smear the entrance uh, in the, uh, of the, in the interior and the exterior of the entrance with grime. Then they set their dogs loose to hunt the ermine, and the ermine runs toward home, but seeing the grime that would get on his coat, uh, if he went into the entrance, he doesn't go inside. And they catch him. Even though he's frightened, he doesn't go into the place of refuge because he wants to keep his coat clean. For the ermine, purity is more precious than life. And that's how Daniel was. Didn't matter if it would cost him his life. He was going to live with integrity. He was going to serve Almighty God. And I, I want to tell you this morning that one of the things that will get you through a difficult time, that will get you through, uh, that will lead you to a way out of a boxed-in place is a life of integrity, a life of uh, moral purity, a life uh, that, that follows to the best of our ability the principles of the Word of God. You know, it's a wonderful thing when you get in a spot not have to remember what story you told to this person and what story you told to that person and to try and keep it straight. That has to be exhausting. And you know what happens in situations like that when we live with a lack of integrity like that? At some point it all comes crumbling down. And let me tell you, you may go through hard places, you may be persecuted, you may go uh, through difficult periods of your life. But there is nothing like being able to lay your head on the pillow at night and know that you've lived with integrity. That your yes is yes and your no is no. You didn't, uh, you didn't bend or twist the truth out of convenience or to get out of a tight spot, that you lived your life with moral purity and moral integrity, and to the best of your ability, you followed the ways of God. And that will get you and me a long way when we get into a tight situation. And as we will see, Daniel continued to live a life of moral purity. We live in a day and an age where the very principles, the very values of the Word of God are questioned even in the church. And born-again believers question the clear commands of Scripture. Church, we need to get back to basics. We need to understand that we are strangers in this world. This is not our home. Somebody say amen this morning. This is not our home. This is not our final dwelling place. We are citizens of a heavenly kingdom. And we are not to live by the values and the principles and the morality of this world. But we have a higher calling. We have a higher set of values. We have a higher morality. And it's from the word of Almighty God. It behooves every one of us. I say this very respectfully this morning. And, and as I've said, whenever I preach a sermon, God preaches it to me first. So you know it's coming to me first. We need to take inventory of our lives. Like David said, search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. Cleanse me. Cause me to walk in the way everlasting. 
How about it, church? You think it's time for a, a, a self-introspection, a look into our lives? Listen, our righteousness comes from Jesus. We know that. We can never make ourselves righteous, but the Word of God is clear. We are called to walk in righteousness. And as I said, you get in a tight spot, you will be glad you live, the li you live a life of integrity and moral purity, and God will use that to bring you through to victory. So purity is the first element of victory. When we're faced by lies, laws, and lions, what's the second one? It's this, it's no surprise, it's prayer. It's prayer. Uh, look at verses 6 through 11. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So the edict went out that anyone who prayed to any God uh, over the next 30 days, any prayed to anyone other than the king, would be thrown into a den of hungry lions. That must have come to a shock, as a shock to a lot of people. And Daniel, it says, heard the decree. Of course, he was part of the government. He would... Hear the published decree like anyone else. And so, you know what Daniel did when he heard that decree? You know what changes he made in his life? Absolutely none. Daniel's life, the path of Daniel's life was not altered by some king's decree. Daniel was a man of prayer. I want you to notice this. It says, first of all, he prayed because it was his passion. It says he was giving thanks to God. How many know thanksgiving is always in order? Even in exile, Daniel was praying with thanksgiving. It was Daniel's passion. You see other places in the book of Daniel where he prayed with passion. He prayed. He was able to move the hand of God. Uh, you ever come across some people? Now, we should all be people of prayer. And I think, uh, and, and, and listen, I don't want to beat you up this morning. I want you to leave here and say, boy, the pastor really worked us over today. That's not my goal, okay? I come in peace. But that is one of the biggest challenges for Christians, is to have lives of prayer, to be in communication with Almighty God. And for Daniel, it wasn't a preference, it wasn't just a duty, it was his passion. You ever know people, I started to say this, you ever know people and you hear them pray and you just like, I mean, you, you hear a lot of people pray, but you hear some people lead out in public prayer and you're just like, whoa. That person talks with God. You ever have that experience? You're just like, wow. That person prays. 
That's how Daniel was. It was his passion. He loved to spend time in the Lord's presence and communicate with Almighty God. He prayed because it was his passion. Secondly, he prayed as a matter of principle. It says, after he heard the king's edict, he kneeled down right near the open windows. He wasn't ashamed for anyone to hear, right near the open windows that faced Jerusalem, and he prayed as he had done before. You see, Daniel reasoned if it was important for him to pray before the king's edict, it was just as important for him to pray after the king's edict. If, if, it, was, if it was a matter of principle, then he was going to pray no matter what. You know, we've been blessed in this country uh, with religious freedoms. They're enshrined in our Constitution. But in case you haven't heard, religious freedoms are under assault in this country and throughout the world. Right now, there, are, there, there is a Christian Danish politician and a, and a, and a Danish pastor who are, uh, who are being tried... Uh, for creating anxiety for people because uh, they affirm that biblical marriage is between a, 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 a man and a woman, facing two years in jail, because they merely proclaim that the Bible declares that. And in and, and Canada, religious freedoms are being taken away, and, and it's, it's encroaching upon us here. And if you don't think so, we, we need to wake up. But you see, for Daniel, prayer was a matter of principle. He was going to pray no matter what. And thirdly, he prayed with a purpose. It says he was asking God for help. I can't think of a better purpose for prayer than that, can you? How many know we need God's help? <laughs> like uh, every second of our lives, maybe? Amen? So he prayed with passion. He prayed as a matter of principle, and he prayed with a purpose. Andrew Murray said God's child can conquer anything by prayer. Is it any wonder that Satan does his utmost to snatch that weapon from the Christian or hinder him from the use of it? I love this illustration. In 2019, Houston Texans defensive end, uh, that's a football position for those of you who are non-sports minded, uh, Houston Texans defensive end J.J. Watt found himself out of the game with a season-ending injury. And... Uh, he was known for his charity work. He is known for his charity work uh, and uh, his tireless efforts to raise funds for the uh, victims of Hurricane Harvey. So while he was rehab, you know, out uh, because of injury for the rest of the season, he published on the internet his personal phone number. And uh, he got over 25,000 texts which he did his best to respond to. He told his fans, it's just a way for me to connect more directly with you. Can you, can you imagine that? That's extraordinary. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a nobody, and I wouldn't put my phone number out on the Internet, would you? Most of us wouldn't. But he did because he wanted people to connect with him. As extraordinary and as awesome as that is, we have a greater opportunity to connect with someone of importance. Almighty God wants us to connect with him. 
Almighty God gives us an open invitation anytime, day or night, to commune with him, to connect with him, to talk with him, to pour out our hearts to him, to call on his name, to ask him for help, uh, to, uh, to uh, hear what he has to say. We have an opportunity to connect with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we, we don't avail ourselves nearly enough of that. Also, <coughs> excuse me, in 2019, a, a researcher found that at that time, of course, this is three years ago, um, the average adult in America spends three hours and 43 minutes a day on a mobile device added to about three hours and 35 minutes a day watching TV. You add that up, that's seven hours and 18 minutes a day looking at some sort of screen. Do you think we could take a little bit of that time and talk to our Heavenly Father and have Him talk to us? How different would our lives be? If, if we took 18 minutes of that seven hours and 18 minutes and just talked to God, Wow, what a difference. What a difference that would make. I guarantee you, an indispensable element of victory when you feel boxed in is prayer, talking to Almighty God. Not just in the heat of the moment. Yes, we call on Him when we're burdened. Yes, we call on Him when we're stressed and when we're upset and when we don't know what to do. But it should be like Daniel. It should be a matter of principle. It should be our passion. It should, we should pray with a purpose, hallelujah, to talk to Almighty God. And there's nothing that will uh, do you and me better in a time of crisis than a continual relationship with God, it's talking to Almighty God. Prayer is an indispensable element. What's the third element of victory as we face lies, laws, and lions? It's protection. It's protection. Look at verse 13. Uh, then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. Verse 16, so the king gave the order and brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment brought to him. And he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered. Think about that. He was thrown into a, a den of angry lions and he actually was able to answer, okay? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. So they went to the king and said, King, uh, Daniel pays you no attention. It wasn't true, but that's what they said. 
And so reluctantly the king gave the order for Daniel to be thrown into the lion's den. These were hungry lions. Listen, we, we, you know, some of us have been raised in church and we've heard the story of Daniel in the lion's den, you know, since we were this high. Some of you, can some of you relate to that? And, and, you know, it just kind of rolls off our tongue, Daniel and the lion's den, almost like it's some sort of fairy tale. Can I tell you something? This isn't a fairy tale. This is the truth, truth from the word of God. These were lions, and they were hungry lions, okay? And, and, and so he was thrown in there, but God gave him the victory. Uh, Daniel says God sent angels to shut the lions' mouths. I don't know if Daniel was scared. He would have every right to have been. How many would be scared being thrown into a den of lions? Okay, about three of us. The rest of you are just superhuman. All right. I would have been. Maybe Daniel was. I don't know. But God protected him. God gave him the victory. Hallelujah. And listen, you and I uh, may not be physically thrown in a lion's den, but sometimes we feel, uh, metaphorically speaking, like we're surrounded by lions. You know, like the song we sang said, it may look like I'm surrounded. But I love that last part, but I'm surrounded by you. Hallelujah. You may feel like you're in the proverbial lion's den. You may feel like you're boxed in, like there's no way out, like there's no escape. Like your situation will swallow you up and spit you out. But I want you to know your God is surrounding you. Your God is with you. Your God is sending angels to protect you. Your God is sending angels to give you the victory. Hallelujah. How many know what I'm talking about this morning? And he will protect you. And not only did he give Daniel the victory, but he gave him vindication. Those who had accused him, those who came to the king with their accusations, they were thrown into the lion's den. And it says before they hit the floor of the lion's den, the lions descended upon them. So these were indeed hungry lions. But Daniel had protection. Heard a story that the early American Indians had a unique practice of training young braves. On the night of a boy's 13th birthday, after learning hunting, scouting, and fishing skills, he was put to one final test. He was placed in a dense forest to spend the entire night alone. Until then, he had never been away from the security of his family and his tribe. But on this night, he was blindfolded, taken several miles away, and when he took off the blindfold in the middle of the night, he was in the middle of a thick woods, and was terrified. And uh, every time a twig snapped, he visualized a wild animal just ready to pounce. And after somehow getting through the, what seemed like an interminable night, as the light began to filter through into the forest, he looked around and over to the side, he saw a man with a bow and arrow. It was his father who stood watch over him the entire night. And church, we may feel like we're, we're in the thick of it. 
where we are, we are subject to the terrors of the night and we're all alone and we may be terrified, but I want you to know whether you can see him or feel him or not, your heavenly father, hallelujah, stands watch over you. He is there to protect you. He is there to uh, keep you uh, under the shelter of his wings, hallelujah. And though terrifying may be the night, your God is watching over you, hallelujah. And he will take care of you. He will protect you from whatever may come your way. Protection. God will protect you. What are you dealing with right now? You may just feel like you're out on your own. You may just feel like you're in the middle of a dark night. But your Heavenly Father's watching over you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. What's the fourth element of victory as we face lies, loves, and lions? It's this, it's praise. Praise. Verse 25 says, Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language throughout the land, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. This is a pagan king declaring the praises of God. I want to say this. One of the highest callings, one of the greatest privileges we have as children of the living God is that somehow, some way, Almighty God would receive praise, would receive glory through our lives. That's, that's, that is a high privilege. We, we hear so many negative things happen and we remember the, you know, televangelist scandals of the 80s and, and other things that have just given black eyes to the church and have, have brought disrepute on the, on, on the kingdom of God. But, but, but we, we won't hear much in the news, but how wonderful it is when Almighty God receives glory through the lives of his children. What a powerful thing. What a great and high and holy calling. And that was Daniel's desire that God would receive glory through him. Considered perhaps the greatest guitarist alive, Christopher Parkening appeared to have it all. He was signed to an international recording deal as a teenager and traveled all across the world uh, playing his beautiful music. By the age of 30, he had achieved all the musical success he could ever imagine, but he felt empty. He was tired and wanted to take a break from the rigors of traveling, so he decided to move to Montana and took up fly fishing. How's that for a change? Soon he was not only one of the greatest guitarists in the world, but one of the greatest fly fishers in the world. And uh, he still felt like his life was empty. And then, with some friends, he attended church and gave his life to Jesus Christ. And he began to wonder if there was anything that could fulfill the deep longing of his heart to do something meaningful with his life. And he was struck by the scripture, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And he said, well, I realized that uh, there are two things I knew how to do, fly fish for trout and play the guitar. 
And he says, today I'm playing the guitar, absolutely by the grace of God. I have a joy, a peace, and deep down fulfillment in my life I never had before. My life has purpose. Now he teaches classical guitar to students at Pepperdine University. But instead of doing it for himself, he now has the opportunity to do it for the glory of God. This morning, you may be here and you may think, you know, Pastor Tim, I'm just, I'm just Joe or Josephine Christian. You know, I'm, I'm nothing special. We feel like that sometimes, don't we? I'm just, well, I'm, just, I'm just trying to get through the week, you know, get through the weekend. How many know God has a, great, uh, a much greater calling than that for each and every one of our lives? God can receive glory through your life, wherever you are planted whether it's publicly, whether it's behind the scenes. If you and I dedicate every resource in our life, every ability we have, our time, our energy, our talents, our finances, we dedicate those to Almighty God, He will use us for His glory. And His name will be lifted up on account of your life and my life. Could there be a higher calling? I don't think so. Praise Ascending to God through your life and through mine. What's the final aspect of victory here? In the facing of lies, laws, and lions, it's this, uh, prosperity. Verse 28, so Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian, the next king. You know, the Bible records many who have not just survived adversity, but thrived and prospered through adversity. Remember Job? Remember, Job's name is synonymous with trial, isn't it? But you know what it says at the end of Job? The end of Job was better than the beginning. Don't you love that? I love that. He prospered through adversity. He came out better on the other end of it. In the book of Daniel here, a few chapters earlier, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, remember them? They were thrown into a fiery furnace. Heated so hot that the men who threw them in were overcome by the heat. But they came out of that. Jesus was in the fire with them. You know the story. They came out of the fiery furnace. They weren't harmed. Get this. They didn't even smell like smoke. I mean, you just walk through a little cloud of, you know, smoke going up and you smell like smoke for the next, you know, however long until you launder your clothes. They didn't even smell like smoke. They prospered. Israel under King Jehoshaphat, remember 2 Chronicles 20, five nations were attacking them. Was, uh, Jehoshaphat said, Lord, we don't know what to do, but we're, we're looking to you. What happened? They routed the enemy. They plundered the enemy. They prospered during adversity. Martin Luther King Jr. talked about people overcoming and prospering through adversity. He said, you simply can't keep a good man down. He said this, you can't keep a good man down, cripple him and you have a, a Sir Walter Scott. Lock him in a prison cell and you have a John Bunyan. Bury him in the snows of Valley Forge and you have a George Washington. Raise him in abject poverty and you have an Abraham Lincoln. Strike him down with infantile paralysis and he becomes a Franklin D. Roosevelt. Burn him so severely that the doctors say he'll never walk again and you have a Glenn Cunningham who set the world's one mile record in 1934. Deafen him and you have a Ludwig van Beethoven. Have him or her born 
black in a society filled with racial discrimination and you have a Booker T. Washington, a Marian Anderson, a George Washington Carver, or a Martin Luther King Jr. Call him a slow learner and retarded and write him off as uneducable and you have an Albert Einstein. People who prospered through adversity. Listen, you may be going through a rough time right now. I don't know your story, your circumstance. There's certainly been enough negativity the last couple of years, as if it wasn't there before, right? To, uh, to, to make us all feel like we're down under it. But I want you to know, God will bring you out better on the back end of your trial than you were before you went into it. How many believe that this morning? Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. As I bring this message to a close... What are the elements of victory as we face our own lies, laws, and lines? You may be here today, maybe watching online. You feel boxed in. You feel uh, like there's no way out. You're facing your own lies, laws, and lions. First of all, purity. Living a life of integrity. Living a life of integrity. Secondly, prayer. Prayer with passion. Prayer as a matter of principle and prayer with purpose. How's your prayer life today? Could it use a little boost? Could it, could it use a little restructuring? Prayer is uh, a, a very uh, significant part of the victory. Protection, victory over our enemies, and vindication by God. Your Heavenly Father is standing watch over you in your darkest hour. Remember that. Fourthly, praise, having God receive glory through our lives. As I said, I can't think of a higher calling than to have God receive glory through my life. And number five, prosperity. You can flourish in the midst of adversity. God will bring you through better on the back end than you were on the front end. Why? Because that's the kind of God he is.